0: Welcome to Haunted Hospitality.
1: Seven stories told by Spooky Gingers. I'm Robin. And I'm Zoe. And I have a story for you guys today. But first, Robin, how is life? Life is
0: good, but creepy. Oh, great. (laughs) Because because yesterday we watched, well, today you watched, yesterday I watched Mm -hmm. uh, a certain movie in preparation for uh, tonight's recording of our Patreon episode about Smile.
1: Yeah, we watched Smile.
0: And I don't want to give too much of the reaction away, but I can tell you that the lights in my house are all on. The windows are all shut. The blinds are down. Don't you dare.
1: (laughs) I I was just like laughing and smiling. And then I was like, oh, shoot. I'm kind of doing a really wide smile. I was just smiling at you, not trying to be smiley. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I I
0: was guessing that one or both of us was going to try to do the smile while we were actually recording that episode. Maybe let's not. Do you want to make a deal right now to not do that?
1: (laughs) I cannot prevent myself from actually laughing and smiling. However, I promise I will not purposely try to do a creepy smile. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. So, Zoe, how's your life? Well, Robin, we are recording episode 98 of Haunted Hospitality. Yeah, we are crazy stuff i know and technically our 100th episode was a few episodes back just because of two part twos and a haunted halloween yep a halloween so we are we actually have already gotten the achievement saying congrats on 100 episodes but 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 the true 100th is coming soon. Um, I have something really exciting prepared for it because it is my episode. But this one will probably be a little bit longer. But Robin and I are going to be recording on location. Yeah. We're going somewhere haunted and we will be recording a full episode, two full episodes there. Um, So yeah. next episode we will be there And then the next episode will be about the place we're at.
0: Very spooky. Very spooky. Um,
1: Very exciting. Yes.
0: I, as we get closer, I'm getting more nervous about the spooky aspect.
1: So I haven't looked at my notes in a while because we had planned to do this a little bit earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. A little bit. Um, (laughs) Just a tad. Just like before you broke your leg. Um, (laughs) but so we had planned to do this a while ago, but it wasn't Robin breaking her leg that had stopped us. Thank it was you for a, clarifying. Yeah, I did want to clarify that it, it was <laughs> almost an entire year ago at this point, but now we are finally doing it. So I haven't looked at the notes for probably about a year, but I'll be updating them soon. And it's, I think it's the kind of haunting where it's like, if you're not in this particular room, you probably won't see anything. Thank God. Thank God. So I'm going to ask for that room. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) You can't make room specifications. And I don't know if it's the same, like, cause we got two Queens cause we're two Queens, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, I don't know if the haunted room is that room, that kind of like, it might be a one King room, you know?
0: Okay, okay, I'm, what's hope. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, All right, sounds good.
1: But yes, my hell's life is that. I'm very excited for that.
0: Uh, do you have a something something for us? I do, I do. I have a something spooky continuing our theme of... Something dreamy. Nighttime, dreamy, yeah, dreams. So, ahem, today I'm doing night terrors. okay. And the reason I was so watching you at the beginning of your uh, liminal space, yeah, something spooky, is because you were going in on the different stages of sleep and the difference between REM sleep and other sleeps. And I was like, ooh, why, <laughs> yada. You're, <like, laughs> you're getting close. But, okay, I'm talking about night terrors, which are not nightmares. Okay. They happen in different stages of sleep. Nightmares are dreams, which happen in REM, which stands for rapid eye movement. Yes. There are three other stages of sleep, which are non-rapid eye movement, N-R-E-M. You have nightmares in REM sleep. And this is something that you, not always, but you can quite easily remember the next day. Right. And you can wake up from these Mm-hmm. Night terrors occur during the deepest stage of NREM sleep. It is very rare for somebody to wake up, and it is fact characterized by the fact that they just don't wake up from this. That being said, they will move around a lot, whereas people don't typically move around a lot with nightmares. So people will sit up, they will scream, they will move their limbs around, they will just stare. Sometimes they will kick out, they will be sweating, they will be breathing heavy. It is really hard to wake someone up who is going through this. And if they do wake up, they're really not going to have any idea of what's going on. They're going to be really confused. And it is really recommended that you don't wake them up because they could lash out since they're already moving. And it could make the whole incident go on for longer than it otherwise would. And it's better to just watch them make sure they don't hurt themselves and make sure there's nothing around them that would lead them to hurt
1: themselves. Is this where sleepwalking is or is that unrelated?
0: So it is, it's kind of like a correlation, I think. Okay. It is sometimes and often enough accompanied alongside sleepwalking.
1: Got it. Okay.
0: And the way they put it, it sounds like sleepwalking is a bit of its own thing. However, you can be having a night terror and sleepwalking at the same time. And because you're just, you're very much moving your body in non-REM sleep whereas in REM part of I think what characterizes it is the fact that like your body is essentially shut down Mm -hmm. which is the thing that makes sleep paralysis so scary because you're kind of awake right you're interpreting the world around you but you just literally cannot move because your body still has that lock on it and in night terrors you don't have that lock on your body
1: so in a way it's like the opposite of sleep paralysis you're asleep but you don't have the. Yeah.
0: Yes, this is the opposite of sleep paralysis. And it happens more often in kids. And kids never remember it the next day. Okay. Which can be kind of disconcerting because their eyes might be open and they can really be looking like there's something in the room with them that they're terrified of. Like mm-hmm. specifically And so, you know, you're trying to talk to this kid, but this kid is not responsive to you whatsoever because to them, you are not there. Right. They do not sense you. You are not getting through to them. And so this will last maybe, this will usually just last a few minutes, maybe up to 10. There are incidences, I think of it going maybe to 30 or 40, but typically that's very rare. Mm -hmm. So instead you have it just kind of stopping at some point. And so the next day, like you kind of go up to that person and you're saying, well, what happened last night and they literally have no idea what you're talking about but for you I-, I can totally see like if you had no idea that this was a thing I would think that like this person experienced something potentially paranormal very traumatic like they were possessed could be mm-hmm. and in fact I don't think I had I mean who knows I might have had night terrors it can happen into like almost at certain age like about like almost half of kids can have it but I also saw much lower percentages, so I'm not really sure. But when they were saying sitting up and staring ahead, it made me think of this one moment that my friend Rachel told me about. Mm -hmm. I was spending the night at her house and we were sleeping in the same bed. And she said she was watching TV in like the middle of the night. I sat straight up with my arms in front of me like this. (laughs) And then I'm going to mimic to Zoe, but otherwise you're not seeing me. And then, like, I just kind of moved my head like this, like, to the side. Oh. And I was, like, s- I think maybe smiling, eyes open, and was like, hello, Rachel. So that does not sound <laughs> like uh, night terrors, because it doesn't sound like I was scared. No. But it does sound like possession. Yeah. And, in fact, that was her thought, too, so she left the room. <laughs>
1: oh, no. She's like, demon can have you. I'm gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, she... <laughs> there was no like attempt to tell me she was like i'm out
1: that's hilarious
0: yeah i just had to share that again i don't think i had a night terror based off of that but i was out of there uh, or she was out of there and i was out of it now this can happen in adults too but typically it peters out once you're a teenager or so but when adults do have it they might remember it The next day they might remember a little bit of it the next day i don't know why but i guess it must be something in the difference of maybe how deep it is in adults versus little kids
1: okay i don't know i'm not a scientist (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's just like the way your brain works is a little bit different when you're an adult and your brain's like fully formed and connected versus when you're a kid (laughs)
0: I thought you said
1: fully warmed, and I'm like, we don't heat up. What? You don't microwave your brain every night? <laughs>
0: Probably stop that. Do <laughs> You just, like, stick your head in there, and the disc rotates underneath you. and No,
1: I open the latch. Do you not have a latch?
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot uh-huh. about the latch. Well, not everybody <laughs> uses their latch, Zoe. It's about 40% of people. <laughs> All right, but that is Night Terrors, which i j- i've just always really dug the <laughs> fact that night terror like just in terms of like it's so scientific like it makes i guess sense <laughs> on one level like if a scientist tells me about it, I'm like okay
1: but at the same time I'm like this sounds sketch this does not sound real it makes i guess sense okay it makes, like, less sense
0: i just i find it fascinating and so i wanted to share so there you go well thank you robin
1: You're welcome. Do you have a story for us today? I do. I do have a story for us today. And I do want to put a quick trigger warning here mentions of suicide. There's no actual suicide, but somebody goes missing and they think that that could be a possibility. Gotcha. All right. So today we're going to talk about Tara Faye Grinstead. Have you ever heard of this case? She's in Georgia. She was a teacher in Georgia.
0: Yes, I listened to a podcast that tried to investigate it, actually.
1: Was it? Hold on. Hold on. Up and Vanished.
0: Yes, actually. Yeah, Zoe, that was the first podcast I ever listened to.
1: Okay, so that is known as the podcast that has solved a murder. Wait, really? This is a this is a true crime story that up and vanished investigated and because of their investigation they were able to solve the cold case
0: okay thank you for explaining so i don't think i ever
1: got to the end of it because that happened in 2015 i think okay
0: because it, I in am... the
1: podcast it had not yet been solved
0: oh Okay, thank you, because I had heard that a podcast had solved a murder. And I was like, wait, was it the one I listened to? And then I just, I couldn't find it. So you, Zoe, thank you. You are putting together some loose ends of things that I was never able to connect. So, you know, do your thing.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I wasn't planning on spoiling all that ahead of time, but it's okay. No, you're good. You're good. So Tara was born on November 14th, 1974 in Hawkinsville, Georgia, Her father's name was Bill and her mother's name was Faye. I just really like that because Tara's middle name ended up being Faye. And that's what my mom did with me. My mom took her first name and gave me that as my middle name. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Somebody else did it. (laughs) Tara did have one sibling. Her name was Anita. Tara often participated in beauty pageants and she won Miss Tifton in 1999 And she continued to compete in the Miss Georgia Beauty pageants. She used the winnings for those pageants to fund her way into college. So she went to Middle Georgia College and graduated in 2003. And then she got her master's in education from Valdosta State University. Valdosta. That's the one. So while she was in college, um, she was also participating in pageants. And she was coaching others in pageantry. And then she was also a history teacher at Irwin County High School. So she was fairly busy. She was popular, gorgeous, well-liked. However, she was single at the time of disappearing. Her boyfriend of six years, Marcus Harper, had broken off their relationship a year prior. However, it was kind of a get-back-together-on-and-off situation. But they Mm -hmm. were off at the time of her disappearance. And I'll get more into that in a few minutes. How old was she at the time of her disappearance? 2005 minus 74. 31? Sure, somewhere around there. On Saturday, October 22nd, 2005, Tara visited a few of her trainees. Then she went to a barbecue a few blocks away from her home and socialized until 11-ish at night. And then she drove away from the barbecue and went home. On Monday, October 24th, 2005, she did not show up for work in the morning. Co workers called the police to do a wellness check. The police knocked on her door and they heard nothing, so they entered and she was not home. They found her cell phone inside the house charging and her car was still outside. Her dog and cat were both inside unharmed, but they had not been fed. That morning? Since Saturday night. Okay. okay. And this was Monday morning. Her keys and her purse were gone. And the clothes that she had been wearing to the barbecue were on the floor in her bedroom, suggesting that she had already turned in for the night when she disappeared. So right now, the working theory is that she came home from the barbecue And Mm -hmm. for some reason, she left her house that night. So they found her alarm clock under the bed, and the time it displayed was six hours off. And there was a lamp that had been snapped in two, and it was leaning against the wall next to her bedside table. Family members had said Tara had mentioned the clock not working But they did not hear about the lamp being broken, and they did not know how she would have broken the lamp. Mm -hmm. No windows were broken. The door was not smashed in. There was no sign of a struggle. No neighbors reported hearing anything at night that whole weekend. Anything suspicious at all. They didn't see anything suspicious. So the local police called the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the GBI, because they felt like something was very, very wrong here and that they did not have the manpower to figure it out. It was a very small area. I think it was like less than 4,000 people or something like that. It was very small. I have the exact number later. The GBI investigated her house and again found no signs of forced entry and no signs of struggle. So they began interviewing people. Her family claimed that she was a very neat person and she would never leave her clothes on the ground. She would never leave the house without her cell phone. And she absolutely positively would never leave the house without making sure that her cat and dog were taken care of.
0: Yeah, that's like the biggest
1: thing. She loved those pets like they were her children.
0: Yeah, I'm not doubting the cell phone thing. I'm just a little bit almost surprised that it was thought of as that necessary in 2005 cuz that was fairly early in the cell phone years.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think in 2005. In that time my mom did have a cell phone that she kept on her, but it was mostly because she was like oh, I'm going to just in-, like cuz we memorized her cell phone number. So, yeah. it was like you need to call me in case anything happens kind of thing.
0: Yeah, which I guess this must have been to probably, I just remember that I think my parents got cell phones the next year, and that's only because like
1: we were moving and we kind of needed it, yeah. So, I guess she was maybe just ahead of the times, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So, the family also said that it was strange that her car was found unlocked. Oh, the car was found unlocked. Uh, <laughs> the family said that it was pretty strange that it was found unlocked. And the driver's, at her house, I'm guessing at her house and yeah, okay. in her driveway, it was unlocked and the driver's seat was pushed all the way back, like as far back as you can go. But Tara was five, three mm-hmm. and Robin, you and I are part of the short club and my seat is almost as far forward as it can get. I'm quite close to my steering wheel. Yeah. And so like, there's no way she was driving with the seat all the way back. No, no, there was not even stranger there was an envelope of cash just sitting on her dashboard and the family didn't know where it came from the bankrupt records didn't show that she had withdrawn any cash recently and you'd think that if her place was robbed or there was somebody who came and took her that they wouldn't have they would have either taken the cash or would not have left it behind yeah So that was like super weird. People were like, what the, what is this? So immediately they started a search for her. There were volunteers all over town. She was well liked. Like I said, Um, she kind of was the face of their town because it was a small town and she was this big beauty pageant winner. Mm -hmm. So immediately people were going everywhere, walking, just trying to find her. They were looking all over farmland because it was fairly rural So they were concerned that maybe somebody like dumped her body in a cornfield or something like that. So people were searching everywhere, calling out for her. They set up a Terra command center. They set up a phone tip line and a website. And there was even a thousand, a hundred thousand dollar reward set up for her safe return or Another $100,000 reward set up for information leading to arrest and conviction. So if you gave them information that allowed somebody to rescue her and arrest whoever did it, you would get $200,000.
0: Okay. If they were putting out both, I almost wonder if they were already... It sounds like they were already kind of wondering if she had
1: been killed. I think that's just kind of the go-to assumption in cases like this. Yeah. Where it's like, there's no way she would have run away. I think they were all kind of assuming she was already dead. Okay. So people were riding ATVs, horses, and they were looking for her all over the county, but nothing was found. The principal at her school, Bobby Connor, was quoted saying, We're a small community, and this has really touched home. Because it is something you read about happening elsewhere. This is someone with a tremendous magnetic personality and the kids just love her. Marcus comes up first thing. They're like, well, gotta find the ex-boyfriend. So they had had a six-year relationship. The last two years were rocky um, with it officially, quote unquote, ending a year prior. But... Really finally ending two weeks before she disappeared. Oh, so they were on and off during that last year. Yes. Okay. So he had moved in back to town recently and about a week to two weeks before she disappeared, they had met up and they had gotten into an argument. And after that, Tara went over to a friend's house and she was crying and she, um, her friend described her as absolutely devastated and said that they were done for good. Tara had told the friend she had learned that Marcus was actively dating a, quote, much younger woman. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay. Sorry. I'm with you now. So they, like, really, truly, or at least she says broke up mm-hmm. two weeks before she went missing and he was new to being back in town.
1: Yeah, so he had moved in relatively recently, yeah. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm slow. I'm back. No, you're good. That was kind of... it. it, Relationships, they're difficult. (laughs) (laughs) So when Marcus was questioned by a journalist, he told them that the last time he saw Tara was that argument and that she had begged him not to leave her. He said, quote, She approached me crying. She was very irrational. And she told me that if she found out I was dating someone, she would commit suicide. End quote. Mm-hmm. That made Tara's family and friends very upset. And it made them suspect Marcus because they said that doesn't sound like the Tara they knew. Police agreed with family members saying that if it had been a suicide, they would have found her body by now because people who die by suicide can't hide their bodies.
0: Yes. I mean that's accurate. That that's yes,
1: that's yeah. accurate. They did investigate Marcus, however, he was a former police officer and he was doing a ride-along with an active police officer named Sean Fletcher. And so he was like in his patrol car and they were able to pull dispatch logs that proved he had been in the car that night with Sean and had responded to multiple calls. So he was kind of, even though he didn't officially work for the police force because he had previously worked for them, they were just like letting him ride along and he would like talk on the walkie. So with the times he had responded, he physically would not have been able to do anything to Tara.
0: That's like the most precise alibi i could even i mean really yeah like you it is an alibi like your alibi is the police yeah
1: yeah mm-hmm. okay so the police once they pulled this i they investigated him a couple times but they became convinced that it was not marcus okay they pointed out that there was no history of violence in their relationship it was just emotionally draining i guess Mm-hmm. sean fletcher the person riding along with him, or the active police officer, was also a person of interest prior to the dispatch logs being found because Tara had issued a complaint against him recently for harassment. Really? Yeah. Apparently he had been showing up to her door. I didn't get much information. I don't think the police wanted to release much information about it. And hmm. this is a hundred percent conjecture. But I believe, just from reading between the lines, that maybe he was kind of sticking up for his buddy in the last couple weeks of Marcus and Tara's relationship. Okay. And so she filed a complaint against him.
0: Okay, I can see that.
1: He probably wasn't doing anything good. It just, it was probably more out of a buddy thing rather than I want to kill you thing.
0: Okay, thank you for that clarification.
1: (laughs) Complete conjecture clarification.
0: Thank you for that clarification. That is your conjecture.
1: Yes. (laughs) So there was another person whose name was not revealed because he was found to be not guilty, not through like court or anything like that. But they just determined he wasn't a person of interest, but he was a former student and he had claimed to have an affair with her while he was a student. Okay. However, there are police records showing that she had tried to get him arrested for coming to her house and harassing her. So I don't believe she slept with a student. I think it was yeah. like he was stalking her, basically.
0: Um, what is up with all these random guys
1: harassing her? She was a beauty pageant winner. Yep. She was really, really beautiful. And so, and it was a really small town. I'm not saying this excuses it at all. No, of course
0: not. It's just, that's like almost a, a weird amount for like the level that it was going, like I mean, people get harassed all the time, but like the level, like, I mean, like, like street calling and stuff, you know? Yeah. But the level that it was going to of like going to her house, mm-hmm. that's, that's just a lot. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it's icky. It gives me eh, vibes, you mm-hmm. know, but Tara did end up actually dropping the charges against this guy for stalking, and the police were unable to tie him to the crime scene. So okay. they did move on from him and investigated other male friends of hers, and while several of them were, eh, none of them were charged or determined to be persons of interest. Okay. So unfortunately, with no leads or evidence, the case quickly grew cold. Some people suggested that with all the drama of the three men harassing her, perhaps she just left town to escape the drama of her life. However, again, her family insisted that could not be the case because there's no way she would at the very least abandon her pets like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And she left crash and she didn't take her car.
1: Yeah. 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 She didn't take her car. How would she have escaped? You know?
0: Yeah. And then she broke her lamp.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was the camel that or the straw that broke the camel's back. She broke the lamp and she's like, you know what? I'm out of got, I, I gotta going. leave. Yeah. Gotcha. Love you pets. Never talking to you again, apparently. <laughs> so in January 2006, there was this woman. Her name is Jennifer Keese. And I read that name and I was like, that sounds really familiar. She is actually somebody that has been on my list to cover for months, at the very least, if not years. Uh, year. Um, but I just haven't covered her yet. But uh-huh. she is a woman in Orlando who went missing in a very similar way. She went home one day and then nobody ever saw her again. In her case, her car was discovered parked about a mile away from her home. In security footage saw the person parking her car and walking away, but the person could not be identified due to the quality of the footage. In just the fact that it was a very similar case, because it was a beautiful woman who was taken from her home, theoretically, and it was within the same general area, which I would say Orlando is pretty far away from Florida. But I mean, Orlando
0: is in Florida.
1: I'm sorry, from Georgia. Yeah, I would say like, I I guess Florida and Georgia are closer than Florida and California. You know, I just love the way you say Florida. (laughs) Florida. Because of the ja- vaguely location, distance is kind of small, maybe? Depending on perspective. <laughs> I um, love
0: how, like, details
1: <laughs> you're
0: trying to say they were somewhat close. If by close, you mean probably, like, a five-hour drive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But because they were that distance kind of close, and also time kind of close, and... the it was kind of similar in 2008 CBS News and 48 Hours Mystery covered the cases together and it made a lot of people think that maybe they're connected because of the way they were presenting them. hmm. OK. And okay. I, they aren't connected. Um, okay. so, so that's the
0: most likely answer.
1: Yeah, the most likely answer is that they aren't connected. However, because CBS, I'm sorry, 48 Hours Mystery covered this while they were covering her case, they interviewed police with the GBI and they released information that had not previously been released. Oh, and okay. that was that they had found a latex glove in Tara's yard, a quote, stone throws away from her front porch. Stone's
0: throw is really not descriptive.
1: It was really, really close to the point that they did not believe it was, like, somebody walking by who dropped it or anything like that. Like, they... It was close enough that they were like, this is related to her case. Okay. And that glove had DNA in it. They had matched the DNA... Or, not, not matched, they had compared it to all... Everybody that they could get the DNA from that they investigated. However, it was not a match to anyone. Okay. They were completely convinced it had to do with her case. So they were keeping the DNA just in case one day they found the victim. I think the police released this information just because they wanted something new to talk about. Like, I don't think they were like being like, if you know somebody, you know.
0: Who has DNA. (laughs) Who has DNA.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they couldn't find a match. They entered it into the Georgia in the national database. They waited, and basically, they were saying, We're just hoping that one day somebody gets arrested for something completely irrelevant. They get their DNA entered into the database and we'll get a ping, basically. Okay. So, while they were waiting, the leads continued to come in. So, on June 7th, okay, so this was in my notes. the point where I almost teared up a couple times. So on June 7th, 2008, Tara's mother, Faye, passed away at her funeral. They played a recording of Tara singing at a beauty pageant in 1998. And on her obituary, they requested that people, instead of sending flowers, donate to the Texas ECU search so that they could put the funds into searching for Tara. So, like, even in her mother's death, she was like, oh, look for Tara. And I was just like, that's That's that breaks my heart. Yeah. In February 2009, videos were making rounds on the Internet featuring a self-proclaimed serial killer. He was calling himself the Catch Me Killer, and he claimed to have killed 16 women. And he released videos of all these women, but they were like grainy and not great footage and one of them had enough similarities to Tara that the police believed that he could have been the person to kill her however the police were able to take apart the videos and find incriminating evidence as to the identification of the catch me killer and they found him and they raided him his name was Andrew Haley he was 27 years old and everything was a hoax.
0: I figured. Okay. What is it? Why do people
1: do this? They're disgusting. In the Catch Me Killer? Yes. He was releasing videos claiming to have killed people. But the videos that he found were just random videos he had found online.
0: I'm okay. I when you started talking about that, I honestly assumed that was going to be the case. But I just it's I, I don't get it.
1: I'm glad I don't get it. It just makes me want to just bonk some people over the head with a metal bat multiple times.
0: Yes. what is up with all of these false confessions? I
1: don't understand it. I feel like it's like a narcissism thing. Like you want all the attention on you or something. Catch me. Catch me. Catch me. It's literally catch me. I think he wanted to feel big about himself. Mm. But it's literally the smallest of people who do these things. I read that and I got so mad. So unfortunately, still nothing had come in. So on December 20 in December 2010, at the request of her father, Tara was declared dad. In 2016, a man named Payne Lindsay learned about this case. Payne is a director, a documentary filmmaker, and a podcast host. Wait, okay.
0: I think I forgot that it was Payne Lindsay who did that podcast. Because I've listened to him on at least two other podcasts. Okay. He's he's a very prolific podcaster. Yeah,
1: so he's not like you and me who just like research things on the internet. Like he's like in he goes it.
0: there. Yeah. yeah,
1: he's he's like goes there. He's like an investigative journalist who has so much time on his hands. Well, I mean, this is his job. No, yeah, it's his job.
0: But it's... I think they made a movie. You know, BJ Novak? No. OK, he was on The Office. I oh. think he's he did and is in a movie. I saw the trailer. and It's about this podcast investigative journalist who goes to investigate a murder. And I'm like, oh, and I didn't put the name Payne Lindsay, but I was like, oh, they're doing a thing on that podcast guy I listened to. So-
1: I've heard about a series or movie that follows that same plot, but I think it's a woman who is the investigative journalist. Mm, Podcast. DJ Novak. Okay. Um, Anyway,
0: that was a digression. Anyway, I just... Okay, Payne Lindsay.
1: Yeah. So he heard about the case. He did his thing, deep dived into the relationship. I'm sorry, the research. And he made the podcast called Up and Vanished, where in the first season he retraces police steps and witness testimony and he compiles it all into a new light I did not listen to it it is an entire series of podcasts and I did not have the time to listen to all of it and I went to his page and his page has some information that I did pull and it's linked in my sources Mm -hmm. but um holy hell do I want to listen to it you know Yeah. So I do plan on listening to it. I just prefer not to listen to podcasts about topics I'm going to cover. So I don't accidentally copy them, basically. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, I completely get that. I I like to listen to... I mean, and there are some that, like, I listened to before I even knew I was going to have podcasts. Right. But then sometimes I will look up stuff that we cover after it's already published just
1: to, like hear what other people have done about it too yeah yeah hear their takes on it yeah so in in february 2017 after listening to the podcast the gbi said that it was very helpful in shedding new light on the case they also said that somebody had come into the sheriff's office with information and gave them enough probable cause to issue an arrest warrant This person is kept anonymous for their safety. However, there are a lot of people out there on the internet who assume that this is Payne Lindsay himself walked in. Oh, okay. But I'm not saying that is the case. That's just what some people are hypothesizing. Okay. So on February twenty-third, twenty seventeen, they arrested Ryan Alexander Duke for Tara's murder.
0: Wait, who, who was who was he?
1: Ryan had been a student at Irwin County High School when Tara was a teacher. Was he the one who was harassing her? No, he was a different person. Okay. So it is unknown to the public if he was her student or not. There was another teacher there who was interviewed and she said she never, she doesn't know if he was her student, but the town... like a record of that? Yes, but I don't think they were pulling records to talk to the, like... The school wasn't making an official announcement. It was just friend of Tara, who also was teacher, who okay, was okay. talking. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in a town of a population of 3,414 people at the time, even if she wasn't his teacher, most likely he knew about her. Because okay. that population in the entire town is smaller than our high school's population was when we went there. Yeah, yeah. So... Another woman who actually was the one who was talking about this, her name is Wendy McFarland. I knew I had her name somewhere in here. She was the one who said she didn't know if he was Tara's student or not. And she was quoted saying, my recollection of Ryan was that he was just, he was a very bright young man. He was very nice. And most people who were interviewed about Ryan remembered him as a polite kid who was on the tennis team okay so ryan had already graduated by the time he, tara disappeared she had broke he broke into tara's house with an intent to rob it thinking that she was not home however she was and she tried to stop him ryan strangled her so that he wouldn't get into trouble and then he removed her body from the house So it was a robbery. It was. It's just he apparently was able to get in without a sign of a struggle. And when he killed her, he messed up a lot of places and was panicking, didn't know what to do. Some people hypothesize like he wasn't very forthcoming about exactly what happened that night. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if he was, it was not leaked to the news. But Mm -hmm. basically... There's a chance that he was going to take her car, but then he ended up calling his friend Bo Dukes. I know they... Ryan's last name is Duke. Bo's last name is Dukes. They're unrelated. But okay. he ended up calling his friend Bo, and Bo helped him take Tara's body away from the crime scene.
0: So that's so unrelated.
1: To everything you- else.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Like... It wasn't random, but it
1: was almost to the point that it was random. Exactly. He had thought she was going to still be at the barbecue when he broke in, but she was tired. And he left
0: the cash.
1: And he left the cash probably because he was panicking.
0: And he had been in her car.
1: Yeah. They think he was going to take her body out with her car because he didn't drive at the time.
0: Okay. I'm curious how they got to that point of narrowing it down to him.
1: I don't know. That's the biggest thing is like, That's why I really want to listen to that podcast and be like, what did he say that was good enough for a judge to issue a warrant years later? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Bo was arrested on March 3rd, 2017, for assisting Ryan. He was charged with attempting to conceal a death, hindering apprehension of a criminal and tampering with evidence. He had actually turned himself in when he had heard that Ryan was arrested. So when he heard Ryan was arrested, he walked to the precinct and said, I helped him with it. Okay. So Anita, this is the most gut wrenching thing to me. Anita, which is Tara's sister. Um, she says she was floored when they arrested Beau because she had been friends with his family for years And she said that while people were searching for Tara's body in 2005, she stayed in town living with a relative of Beau's. So she was literally staying with his family when he was the one who had helped remove her body and knew everything.
0: That that really is gut-wrenching. Yeah. Because that's a memory of so much trust Mm -hmm. that you have.
1: Because his family lived on the outskirts of town. Unfortunately, even after questioning, they were not able to find Tara's body. The warrant served to Ryan and Bo stated that the police suspected that they had buried her body on a pecan farm owned by a relative of Bo's. They had a warrant to search the farm. They spent days digging for her, trying to find her. And during the process, an agent was interviewed. And he claimed that they had found some things and that they were collecting evidence, but that her body had not yet been found. And the police believe, after they were unable to find her body, that the two men had burned her body and then disposed of what they could not burn. So I was kind of Googling things because I wasn't sure exactly how they would have been able to burn a body to the point that they weren't able to find remains. Mm -hmm. So crematoriums, which is where we burn bodies to ashes, they usually burn at 760 to 982 degrees Celsius, but 1100 degrees is required for complete bone breakdown. And bonfires usually get to 600 degrees But they can get to a thousand if you know how to make them burn hot. Okay. So theoretically, they could have created a bonfire in the backyard or in the farm that could have burned her down to the point where there's very little bone left.
0: I mean, I believe it. It's just all it it almost sounds like absurd. Yeah. You know,
1: like it, it was like set up for. I don't know, like a. Mur- like a murder mystery novel-esque level of whodunit kind of thing yeah, you don't because you don't hear about that
0: happening you don't mm-hmm. hear about people burning the body yeah you really don't yeah okay so what happened next
1: i <laughs> 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 well i'll tell you okay thank you so in 2017 in august A grand jury filed four charges against Bo, the friend, two counts of making false statements, one count of hindering apprehension and one count of concealing the death of another. Bo had lied to the GBI officials in 2016 when he had been questioned about the disappearance of Tara, which I'm like, wait, why were they? Oh, I'm sorry. That probably is 2006, not 2016. But okay, but I don't know why they had questioned him. Like, I guess he was relatively close enough. I don't know. But yeah. the judge Melanie Cross issued a gag order to everyone involved in the case, and this is a big reason why some of the information isn't exactly known for the final moments. She issued a gag order because she was afraid that if they spoke to the media that Ryan and Bo would not be able to get a fair trial since the jury members would be prejudiced and TV stations WMAZ and WXIA challenged the gag order and the judge relaxed it a little bit, but still Uh, here's some legalese coming at you quote restricted public comment by anyone working with the prosecution or defense court staff and current and inform- former police officers on the case. Okay. So anyone related. So really
0: anybody who would really know
1: anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those two news stations I mentioned before, they actually took the order to the Supreme Court of Georgia in 2018, where the gag order was tossed out. Okay. Yeah. And so now they're allowed to talk. But like, I think people were still being, even though the Supreme Court of Georgia was like, no, that's unconstitutional. Um, Well, you can have something that's unconstitutional for your state constitution. Yeah, I guess so. But even though that's not within the judge's powers, I'll say to do, I think a lot of the people related to the case kind of still honored the gag order. Just because they probably agreed with the judge's reasoning. Okay. So, Bo's trial began on March 19th, 2019, and he was found guilty and sentenced to 25 years in prison. Mm Mm-hmm. Ryan, the one who had actually killed her. His trial was set for April 1st, 2019, but the Georgia Supreme Court delayed the trial after his lawyers claimed that they were being denied funds for experts to testify on Ryan's behalf. Okay. The trial began on May 9th, 2022. 2022? 2022? Yes. Okay. And Ryan pled not guilty, saying that Beau had been the one to kill her. And on okay. May 20th, 2022, he was found not guilty of murder aggravated assault and burglary but he was found guilty of concealing a death because his defense claimed that it was beau who had killed her so in beau's trial they said ryan killed her in ryan's trial they said beau killed her okay and so he was found not guilty and given 10 years in prison he was given less of a sentence than beau was okay yeah. So we just don't know what happened. I mean, he had earlier confessed to being the one who had killed. Like Ryan po- had Ryan had. But when he oh, okay. actually went to court, he, he said, said he didn't. Hmm. OK, so while the court has found them both not guilty of murder, just guilty of hiding a body. Mm-hmm. We know one of them did it and we're pretty yeah. sure it's Ryan. OK. And that's where we end. That's the end.
0: I <laughs> I'm genuinely so confused. Okay, so he did confess. He just took it back.
1: So he confessed and um I think during the court if they brought it up, they probably said, Oh, he confessed under forcing, you know.
0: Gotcha. But
1: yeah, so initially he did say he was the one who killed her, and then he was but like nobody
0: is disputing that it was either him. Like nobody is disputing that it it was anybody outside of those
1: two people yes
0: it's just both of those people are saying it was the other person
1: yes which i mean if i was a lawyer i'm not that's exactly what i would do because you can't prove without a reasonable beyond a reasonable doubt that it was this one if he's saying it was the other no one was literally there
0: only two
1: people who would know what happened
0: and they still are i mean i'm i'm listening to this and i because of the or i guess i i
1: Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) And I was reading articles and articles and articles, and they were all saying the same thing, which Mm -hmm. was almost nothing. Like, I was reading articles that came out from the time it was happening. Because it was 2022. Those things are still very active, very fresh. Yeah. I mean, this is 2023 when we're recording this. Yeah. Just barely. (laughs) Like, this wasn't even... His trial wasn't even a year ago. That's...
0: I really didn't expect that because I, I'd i had like, okay, so I had listened to that podcast we talked about Up and Vanished. I had listened to maybe the first several episodes and then like by the time I got to that point, I think I just like didn't have time to listen anymore and then I would go back to the beginning. It, it was just a never-ending cycle of going back to the beginning. Right. And so I was always operating under the assumption not like that it was any one particular person, but like, because it, it's just, I was so very familiar, I think, with the cast of people that you had brought up at the very beginning and like, not saying it was her ex-boyfriend, but like her ex-boyfriend and that relationship. And then I think maybe even the harassing student to come up, you know, it was just like those people that like, that the fact that it's one of these two other people. Mm hmm. And that it had absolutely nothing, to, even though, like, people were kind of weirdly obsessed with her or just weird to her in general, that it really had nothing that we can see have to do with it.
1: Exactly. And I I think there is this natural want for people to focus mostly on true, true crime cases where it was something traumatic, where it was, oh, it was the ex-boyfriend who didn't like that... Th- she broke up with him like there there's this natural want for us to find a reason in murder Mm -hmm. and when it's just completely random it's just not something we like to think about yeah we we naturally want to
0: have a story you know Mm -hmm. our brains just work that way we love or at least i will not love we think we live in a world of cause and effect
1: right when we genuinely don't and there's a lot of people who like listen to true crime podcasts like our own because they're in a small way at least they're thinking okay what can i do to not be the victim what can i do What warning signs can i see that these people didn't see and there's a small part of you that listens to true crime episodes and think okay, this is how I'm going to protect myself. But the unfortunate truth of the matter is Tara did nothing wrong here. True crime victims do nothing wrong when they get attacked. They're victims, you know? And unfortunately, sometimes the happenstance is you can't avoid these situations. It just happened. Yeah but that is all i have for you i personally might have a couple more stories similar to this where it was a cold case that was solved years years later because recently i've been doing like deep dives into those and they're mm-hmm. just so interesting to me because i want to see what is the final thing that after years and years of nothing that brings it all together exactly
0: yeah i it's so interesting to see how the The reds connect or don't (laughs) how they don't yeah Yeah. i think this case is definitely a big example of that one Mm -hmm. and i still
1: don't feel like i have the clear picture for myself of what happened yeah it's it's like there's so much information at the beginning because people were dwelling on it and then they found the person responsible and then they're you're done bye that's it
0: i mean think of like murder mysteries because just the way that like we are trained to think of stories okay mm-hmm. you are introduced to people at the very beginning that are going to play a point so like I this is spoilers for see how they run which came out in 2022 okay. I was watching a movie see how they run which was a murder mystery with Sir Ronan and Annette. uh that was like it Include it was kind of it was funny it included Agatha Christie in there like, as a character. Okay. <laughs> but there was this one guy at the very beginning who we seemed to dwell on for a little bit without there being a clear reason why. And I was like, okay, he did it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was right. Like, so the, the reason I bring that up, other than bragging that I knew the ending of that, s- see how they run, is because I think with the way that, like, yeah, with the, with the way that we're trained to see it, we think that one of these people who we're introduced to is going to be it that there is some clue that is just it's there but we're just not seeing it and that's just not how life works at all um which i it's it's a good reminder yeah
1: i remember when a few years ago i was trying to watch a new one of those shows with my mom because i had recently talked about how in i think it was monk that I could always kind of tell who'd done it because they were one of the first people introduced. Usually it's like somebody introduced within the first 10, 15 minutes of this 30 minute show. It would be that person. And it sometimes would be a character that it's like, why are, why are you here? If not to be the murderer. And then, and we were watching another show and I forget what show it was. It was one episode of it. And they didn't introduce the killer who was or the person who was the killer until the last, like, five minutes. And I remember telling my mom, like, well, that's just bad writing. Like, how are we supposed to figure out who done it if we don't even know this person existed? That's just bad writing. And I'm like, hmm. well, now I'm like, well, that's real sometimes. It's real.
0: These aren't stories. These are real people's lives. And sometimes life is much more random than i think we would be comfortable with yeah but we like it to be very predictable we do our brains our brains it makes sense to them yeah well zoe thank you for sharing this story you're welcome everyone if you appreciate today's episode please rate subscribe review tell a friend of, subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash hospitality for just three dollars a month i almost forgot our price point you
1: get a new episode with us yes and it comes out on the 13th because we are spooky if you have your own spooky story true crime supernatural anywhere in the world you can write to us on haunted hospitality podcast at gmail.com and maybe we'll talk about it on the show Um, or you can slide into our dms yes we are on facebook instagram and tiktok at haunted hospitality we are also
0: on twitter at haunted hosts hope to see you there Stay spooky.